Welcome to the Philip K. Dick Book Club. In this podcast, we're going to be going through all the works of Philip K. Dick, story by story, chapter by chapter. In this episode, we'll be looking at The Little Movement. So The Little Movement was published in Fantasy and Science Fiction in November 1952. Um, It's the second of his published stories to come out, uh, to be written, um, and the last to come out in 1952. That year, his first year of publishing, he only published four stories in various science fiction magazines. Um, so let's get right into this story by looking at um, looking at the plot summary. Okay, so as the story opens, um, there's just a man selling these mechanical figures, these turnkey type of figures. You know, I never really had one of these. I guess it's a little bit older for me, but I think in the 50s they were a bigger thing. You know, you could kind of you turn the key and then, then they would kind of move. I guess I had the little cheap plastic wind-up toys, but um, never the, the turnkey, more old-fashioned style. So people walk by, um, and finally the toy begins talking to the man, warning him not to sell to one person, but to sell to another. There's this brewing conflict between the man and the toy over who should purchase it. It's almost as if the toy is trying to find the right buyer. Eventually, the salesman sells the mechanical toy soldier to a boy named Bobby, um, and it it costs 50 cents, um, which... I think it's not insignificant amount for, for a little toy at that time. But anyway, sell for 50 cents. Um, the little figure, the toy soldier, is pleased with the way things have turned out here. He lies in the car and he thinks about the difficulty that he uh, and the others from the factory face. And they talk about how the children are the easiest to manipulate. But it's the adults who have money and resources. Quote, All circumstances have conspired to bring about optimum solution. The child might not have wanted to stop, or the adult might not have any money, but things might have gone wrong. It was awful to even think about them, but everything had been perfect. The little figure gazed up in pleasure, where it lay in the back of the car. It had incorrectly interpreted certain signs. The adults were in control, and so the adults had money. They had power, but their power made it difficult to get them. Their power and their size. With the children, it was different. They were small, and it was easier to talk to them, and they accepted everything they heard. They did what they were told, or so it was said at the factory. So we have this toy that has some degree of consciousness and is almost had orders from the factory. Anyways, they have some ulterior agenda, obviously. So Bobby gets home, and he places this new toy near his other toys. He has... Um, Fred, a rubber pig, Teddo, the stuffed teddy bear, and Bonzo, a stuffed rabbit. Um, Bobby winds up the toy and sets it loose, plays with it a while, and the figure begins to construct a tower of blocks. The figure then starts talking and demanding a private conversation with Bobby on the bed. So almost instantly, Bobby's being confronted by this toy with important business from from the toy soldier. 
he establishes trust with Bobby and then asks him how many adults are in the house, trying to get this intelligence. He's almost like trying to pressure him for, for military-style intelligence. He is, after all, a toy soldier. After gaining this, the figure tells Bobby to call him My Lord and reminds him to wind him up before bed. So now we have this toy named My Lord. He's lying on the dresser and he's approached by a small airplane that flies through the window. The airplane delivers some horrifying, terrible news. Most of the others did not make it to the children. They were either intercepted by adults or destroyed on the way. They discuss the role of children in their movement, and they believe that only by manipulating and controlling children could the adults be defeated. The airplane says that a very low survival rate requires that my lord begins the second stage of the plan. So that evening, my lord tells Bobby to go to a toy store called Don's Toy, Lot, toy Land and pick up a delivery. And the box they, he gets... I guess for free or something, but he gets this box and it contains tanks and guns and all the equipment for a military assault. As the boy leaves, my lord thinks about the plan on which the survival of the movement depends. Bobby must smuggle in the weapons from the toy store. Teddo, Fred, and Bonzo approach. My lord, approach my lord and destroy him. Basically, they just kill my lord. In the final moments, my lord realizes that the others in the movement were destroyed by this organization consisting of the boy's original toys. So one way of reading this, which is I didn't really notice the first time or the first several times I read this story, is it's not just this consumerist metaphor, which I'll get to in a moment. You almost have a generational conflict between the toys. You have the old toys versus the, the, the new toys, the mechanical toys versus the stuffed animals. And the stuffed animals win. And, you know, I don't know when the first stuffed animals were invented, but it must have been a long, long time ago. Well before you had these kind of mechanical toys, I, I assume. But so there's almost a generational conflict amongst the toys. And here, isn't this the same story in that movie Toy Story? Where they're, you know the boys bring in the new toys and the old toys feel a bit neglected by that. So that's one level of the story, certainly. So you have the movement and the organization. It's kind of two different, uh, an ongoing civil war amongst the toys. Of course, with all these Philip Dick stories, there are several possible readings. There's only a handful which I think are pretty black and white and banal. Most of them can be read in, in several different ways. So the first off is, again, we have a story that seems to suggest the Cold War environment. Right? In this case, we have an underground movement struggling against an overwhelming force, seeking out naive allies... Right? Maybe it's got parallels with the anti-colonial movements of the post-World War II period in which Americans looked at the world and said all these small colonized countries that are accepting these communist movements and accepting support from the Soviet Union are simply, you know, children being taken advantage of by a more powerful force in the same way that the boy here is taken care of by or is being manipulated by my lord and the other toys. So perhaps Dick is being influenced by the paranoia of the early Cold War years, which saw communist cells in every home, every neighborhood. You know, at this time, of course, there were movies coming out with titles such as I Married a Communist, right? So there's this, this fear that there might be evil agents in your own home. And this story seems to build on that. The setting of the story suggests a broader reading centering on the infiltration of consumerism in American society, right? Um, the little figure is a toy, 
and you must pay for it. So if my lord simply wants to, it's not really clear what he's trying to do. Is he just trying to kill the older toys? Is he trying to do something to the adults? Is he trying to do something to the parents? Is it, um, it seems there's different, it's not really clear to me what my lord's plan is. Maybe it was a preemptive strike against the older toys. But whatever it is, it requires being purchased. So we, the, the humans have to willingly accept this evil agent into their home. The marketing of brands to children is now well known. It begins at an early age in our world. Children are groomed from very, very young ages to want to purchase things, to pressure parents into buying things. There's a whole section in the documentary, The Corporation, about how marketing is targeting children and teaching children to nag for purchases. And we actually have a little example of this right here in which the chill child wants the toy and the adult is forced to spend the money to buy it. Again, to quote what I just quoted before, the adults were in control and so the adults had money. They had power, but their power made it difficult to get them. Their power and their size. With the children, it, were, it was different. They were small and it was easier to talk to them. They accepted everything they heard. So can we read this and not think of advertising? Can we read this and not think of the intense pressure children have from a young age to consume, to buy, to be groomed into brands? The first, some of the first music, I don't know if the first, but some of the first music I recognize were jingles from the television. So I certainly was not immune to this either as a child. Dick stresses the authoritarian relationship that children are subject to. And he points out how easily this is exploited by consumerism. Of course, the toy soldier demands that Bobby call him my lord. And this is an order that Bobby does not question. He immediately follows it. In fact, he does not question really at any point that the toy is talking to him, giving him orders, telling him what to do, acting like no toy acts. You know, perhaps this is just the newest model. This is what we come to expect, right? Who now is surprised when our cell phone talks to us? Bobby doesn't resist any of Mr. Lord's commands or suggestions. He's well trained to follow orders. There's almost a military logic to this. Now, is consumerism preparation for the military? Um, perhaps there's something to that. Um, of course, some of the first lessons that children learn is to obey their parents. This trains them to obey their teachers which trains them to obey their boss, which in turn trains them to pay their taxes and accept the authority of the government. Does consumerism have a role in this training, this grooming of people for being subjects of authoritarian systems? Now, this is what Lord says to himself at one point. He understands that I'm going to be here. Children seem to be like that. As a subject race, they have been taught to accept it. It's all they can do. I'm just another teacher invading his life, giving him orders. Another voice. So, um, is this the first of Dick's many anti-consumerist stories? I think it might be. Um, there are many, many stories Dick wrote over the years that deal with consumerism in one way or another. Um, he comes to the conclusion at some point, in, really in this last novel even, it, it comes up that religion is simply another consumer choice. 
He was, of course, mocking the 1960s kind of proliferation of cults and religious movements and things like that. Um, but certainly in a lot of these stories, we have various levels of the anti-consumerist argument. Um, this is the argument here seems to be that consumerism is simply an extension of of the already problematic relationship between adults and children. It's based on authority. It's based on control. Complicating the analysis is the fact that the quote little movement fails. Why does it fail? Well, it fails because the old toys, the new toys are modern. They're mechanical. They're technologically advanced. They can fly. They can shoot guns. They have all this mass technology. This may be pointing out that one of the ways to confront consumerism is through the appreciation of the old. It's nostalgia almost. Now, this is before Dick's time, but of course, you know, we do see examples in the Cold War of modern militaries being defeated by peasants armed with much less advanced technology. Right. It's the Vietnam War, of course. That's probably not in his mind here. Perhaps it's more just a nostalgia. We should embrace the old toys. So here, I guess this is the same argument as the Pixar movie, Toy Story. Don't forget your old toys. They still will love you. They will still care for you. They will still protect you in this case. It's not mere sentiment, as in the Velveteen Rabbit. It's much more politically astute in this story. It's not nostalgia. It's not simply nostalgia. It's not simply sentiment. It's not simply feeling bad for the old discarded stuffed animal. Right? It is what will save us in the end from this very insidious invasion by other forces. Now, what is not clear in this story is what is the nature of the forces behind the movement? Who started this? Is this a regular factory that gets some kind of consciousness? Is it an alien force? Are there overseen malevolent forces constructing these toy weapons? And what are their objectives? Are they trying to overthrow humanity? Or are they just simply trying to destroy these old these old toys? Is it an automated factory? Is it an autofac? To borrow from one of uh, Dick's future stories. It is suggested this may be the case. And it, it is in my Lord's idea of the long-term plans for the movement. Quote, perhaps they would capture a second factory. Or better yet, build dyes and machines themselves and turn out larger lords. Yes, if only they could be larger. Just a little bit larger. So, um, at the end of the story, we get this very bleak image that is, in many ways, a, something that's going to be explored in the later story. Um, what's it called? Autofact. I just said it. Um, but in Autofact, where the, the factory is trained almost to reproduce, to expand, to get bigger, to use up more resources. So here, Lord, my Lord, is dreaming of we just need to be bigger. We just need to be more aggressive. Is this the military-industrial complex? Is this the army calling for the bigger guns, bigger nuclear weapons, bigger tanks, bigger airplanes? You know, I think there are levels here too. So there's a lot of levels this little fun story works at. So it's really enjoyable. I, it, it's it's certainly fun. It's one of those stories that you read first and it, it just seems like a joke almost, right? Like the stuffed animals defeat the toy soldier. And the toys come alive. You know, there's a, you know, that story has been kind of told in different ways by other people. But when you start to dig deeper into the text, you do have these other ways of reading the story. Is it about the Cold War? Is it about consumerism? Is it about the arms race? Which I guess was still first sort of starting um, 
when does Stalin launch you know, test his first nu- nukes? I think in 49 or something like that. Let me check it out. Yep, it was 1949 that the Russians had their first nuclear test. So the arms race was, I guess, starting. And that, that almost certainly was in Dick's mind uh, when writing the story. Okay, so that closes the book on 1952 and closes the book on the story, The Little Movement. Um, in the next episode, we'll be starting our look at 1953. The stories in 1953, now, there's a lot of them there. So I, I know the months these were published. I don't really know the exact date. So I'll just, you know, I may not have the exact literal chronological order, but I'll do it month, month to month um, based on the original date of publication, not the date of composition. Um, and so we'll be 1953 for, for quite a while. I'll see you then with the Defenders. Put a chain around my neck and leave me anywhere. Oh, let me be. Oh, let him be. Oh, baby. Baby, let me be around you. Anywhere.